All right, Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10, starting in verse 17. Mark chapter 10, starting in verse 17. A few, few months ago, uh, my wife got a knock at the door in the middle of the day. I wasn't home, I was at work. And it was an older gentleman asking if he could mow our yard, which is kind of an indictment on me because obviously I had not mowed the yard. So it's like, well, my husband's lazy. He hasn't mowed the yard. So this cat's like driving by. He's like, hmm, they need some help. So he knocks on the door and uh, he's asking her if he can mow the yard. But there's a bit of a communication issue. Uh, so she's like, not, she's having a hard time understanding him. And perhaps he's having a hard time understanding her. But somehow she finally agrees to, yeah, yeah, yeah man, mow the yard. Um, and so he is mowing our yard and he's an older guy. And I don't know if they agreed on a price or if she said yes to a price in like the language barrier, but she ended up paying this guy far more than it actually costs to mow a yard in the league city suburbs. So probably like double what it would normally cost. I don't know. Uh, it wasn't $20. Let's just say that. So they, she ended up paying more and she said, well, I just felt bad for him. So I gave him a little extra money. It was like, okay, great. I could have done this for free, but that's cool. Um, so not only does, does she pay him a, a, a ridiculous amount, I, I do not remember the number, uh, through this misunderstanding, it costs her monetarily, but she leaves, I come home, she's telling me this story, and she notices that the backyard uh, has not just a few, but quite a few spots that were missed. So now we, we out of our bank account, have paid this gentleman I, more money than we should have paid anyone to mow our yard, let alone like let anybody do it because we could have done it ourselves. And he didn't do a good job such that my wife had to go and mow the backyard again. She had to mow, if not most of, all of the backyard again. After she paid someone to mow our grass, she ended up having to do it herself. The point is this, is that misunderstandings can be costly. I mean, in that scenario, her inability to understand communication not only cost us monetarily, but it cost her time, time that she would not have spent mowing the grass, time she didn't intend to spend mowing the grass. But the the reality of the deal is misunderstandings can be costly. And the same is true even all the more when it comes to our understanding of God. You see, if we are operating in misunderstandings of who God is, that will be eventually, if not immediately, costly to you. And so we're going to step into a scene today in Mark chapter 10, where Jesus interacts with this man who comes to Jesus with a significant misunderstanding of what God is like. And so for the next few weeks, we're going to be in this series called, Is God? Looking at misunderstandings of God that we or at least people that you know perhaps carry and we want to correct them in light of what the Bible says and so the question that we'll answer tonight this first misunderstanding that we'll hopefully address tonight is is God all about rules is God all about rules so Mark chapter 10 starting in verse 17 I'll read through verse 22 This is what the word of God says. And he was setting out on his journey. A man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. 
You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he said to him, Teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, You lack one thing. Go, sell all that you have and give it to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. So this is the idea that I want you to get into your head. Entering the kingdom is not accomplished by our performance for God, but is accomplished by our surrender to God. I'll say it one more time. Entrance into the kingdom is not accomplished by our performance for God, but is accomplished by our surrender to God. And so you can look back in verse 17 from the jump of this scene. We see the misunderstanding of God from the very beginning. Look back at verse 17 with me. And as he was setting out on his journey, that's Jesus, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Do you catch it? Right off the bat, we see by this guy's question, he has a significant misunderstanding of who God is. He comes to Jesus and says, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? What do I need to perform? What are the rules that I have to follow? What's the box that I have to check? What do I have to accomplish in order to inherit eternal life? This guy's misunderstanding of God is this. That his performance for God gives him life with God. He thinks God is all about rules. God is about performance. God is about effort. What do I need to do? Because certainly my performance for God gets me life with God. We see that from the very beginning. And how does Jesus answer him? Look back at verse 18. And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one's good except God alone. It's almost as if Jesus kind of sides his question and says, hey, let me just address something really quickly. You call me good teacher. But here's the truth. There's nobody good but God alone. So perhaps Jesus is saying this. If you're going to call me good, what you're calling me is God. Which is not a false claim. But I don't think this guy understands what he's doing. What's even more than that, he's coming up and saying, good teacher. And Jesus says, look, there's nobody good but God. So here's the assumption, friend. If God is the only one that's good, then young man, you're not. And so if you are not good, this understanding that you have of performing for God to get life with God is about to fall apart. Because you're not good. Only God is good. But then Jesus gives him the law in verse 19. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. If you are in this scenario, this is, even if you come up with a misunderstanding, this is the time where you step out and say, uh, that's, I'm not going to make it then. This would be the time if you at least thought I could perform my way into the kingdom of God. If you had the thought in your head, God is about obeying rules. And if I obey the rules, then I get life with God. You would have heard these rules and said, I can't do all of those. This is the moment that he should have stepped out and said, you're right, Jesus, you're right. I can't do that. 
But look at his answer in verse 20. And he said to him, Teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. He hears the commands of God, the law of God, and he says, I nailed it. Thanks, Jesus. What is that exposing in him? Not that he is super holy. That he's missing it. That maybe at the very best, he externally obeys those things. But his heart is not connected to his obedience. And so here's the deal. External obedience. Apart from heart surrender. Still costs you the kingdom at the end of the day. You can still perform right things apart from a surrendered heart and still miss what Jesus is asking for. Because I have a friend who says it like this. God is not after your begrudging obedience. God is not after you simply checking the boxes because you feel like that's what you have to do because that's what a Christian does. God is not after you obeying, you white knuckling your way through life. God is after transforming your heart such that the natural, willing, joyful response in your life is, God, I want what you want. That's what God is after. But this guy gets exposed by coming up to Jesus and saying, what do I have to do? What do I have to perform? What rules is God requiring in order for me to get eternal life? Oh, I've done those, Jesus. I have outwardly obeyed those, so surely that is good enough. He thinks his performance for God gets him life with God. And if we're just honest about it, some of us aren't too far off from that. You carry the understanding that God is about rules. That he sits on his throne in heaven and shakes the tablets at you and says, you better not mess up. And so it, it exposes itself in your life like this. There are certain things that I do that gain me life with God. What I do is what's getting me life with God. And specifically, we're probably referring to our religious activity. Because I do Bible reading, because I pray, because I show up to church, because I give, because I serve then I'm gaining life with God through that action because I'm doing these things that is gaining me life with God. What you are exposing is that you would have a misunderstanding of who God is. You think my performance for God gains you life with God. But maybe for others of you, it's not what you do. It's actually what you don't do. And perhaps that's the majority of us in here. That's what, the, that's what we, we hear what Jesus says back in verse 19. Do not murder. Do not, do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. You hear the do nots, do nots, do nots, do nots, do nots. You think, yes, that. That's what I'm good at. I'm good at avoiding. I, 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 I am good at avoiding those kinds of people. I'm good at avoiding those kinds of music, that kind of TV, those kinds of places. And because of what I don't do, I gain life with God. Still exposing that you've misunderstood what God is like. Still exposing that you're viewing your performance for God as a means to gain life with God. 
but it would be wrong. But the question is why? Why is this wrong? Why does that not work? Why does our performance for God not get us life with God? Put really simply, because your performance just isn't good enough and never will be. Isaiah chapter 64 verse 6 says this, We have all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds, that's all of our good deeds, all of our good performance, are like polluted garment. We all fade like a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind take us away. Isaiah says, your good effort before God, your best efforts before God, your righteous deeds before God, apart from surrender to God, their polluted garment, their filthy rags, they do not matter, they do not measure up. Our good just is not good enough. And that's the bad news of this. We cannot earn our way into the kingdom of God. And so if our good is not good enough, then what's it going to take? What's it going to take to be in relationship with God? What's it going to take to be with God? What's it going to take to gain life with God? Jesus shows us a better way in verse 21. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, You lack one thing. Go, sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. So we've proven that we do not enter the kingdom by our performance for God. But what does Jesus tell us here? It's that we enter the kingdom by our surrender to God. Look back at verse 21. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, This man who thinks I earned my way in and, and he thinks I'm actually accomplishing it. Jesus looks at this man and loves him enough to say this to him. You lack one thing. Go sell all that you have and give it to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven. Come and follow me. What does Jesus extend to this man? He looks at him, he loves him, and he says, Surrender what has your heart and give your heart to me. And you'll gain life with God. In fact, there's no other way. Go sell all your possessions. Sell what has your heart. Get rid of it. And come and follow me. Give me your heart. Because that's the only way into the kingdom. Because entrance into the kingdom only comes by surrender to God. He says to this man, Go back, go back home, get all of your stuff. Set it all up, put a price tag on it, sell every bit of it. Whatever money that you make from that, give that away as well, and then come with me. If you're him, in that moment, you're thinking, what kind of offer is that? What kind of sales pitch is that? Like if you're trying to get people to join your team, to join your crew, nobody's pitching like that. Hey, become as poor as possible, 
but then come and follow me. It's a strange ask. But it's not about the stuff. Nor is it necessarily about the money, though it kind of is. It's really about the man's heart. Because you see, here's the deal. For those of you who carry the misunderstanding that God is all about rules, or for those of you who know people that think that God is all about rules, it would be easier if God was only about us obeying rules, whether our hearts were in it or not. It would be easier. What God is after is far more than that. God is after your heart and everything that comes with it. So is Jesus after this guy's stuff? No, he's after way more than that. He's after this guy's heart. And the things that have his heart. So for you, the question is, what is the thing that has your heart? What is the thing that you think in this moment? If Jesus said to me, go and give up, fill in the blank. And then come and follow me. You would walk away like this guy does. Disheartened. Because you're just not willing to part with it. You're not willing to surrender it to God. And really, what, like, what is this picture of surrender? When I was in college, I got really into paintball. It was a thing. I don't know if you've ever played paintball. It's a lot of fun. It hurts a lot. But there's, when they explain the game to you, they give you some of the rules. And one of the rules is, hey, if you walk up on somebody, you can say to them, Surrender, surrender. You can point your gun at them and say, surrender, surrender. And now that person has one of two choices. They can surrender or they can risk their life by saying, I ain't no punk. I'm not going to go out like that. And they can in that moment turn and hope to Jesus that they shoot you before you shoot them with every paintball you have in your hopper. The wise decision is to surrender. And what is the ask when, when somebody comes up and says, surrender, surrender? What's the ask? Really, the ask is, hey, yield yourself to me. What I say now goes. You can choose your own way. You can choose to try to fight your way out of this. It will go badly for you. So just surrender. The same is true in our relationship with God. God is inviting us in to surrender. And what that really looks like is to say, I'm laying down my ways to go your way. I'm laying down my desires for your desires. What you say goes. You are in charge. Your ways are best. You run the show. You can try to run the show. You can try to fight your way out of that. And it will be for your destruction at the end of the day. The invitation to surrender is not the invitation to just lay down and say, well, this is what I have to do. It's actually an invitation into life. You see, the mistake that we would make in seeing this scene is that, oh, see, Christianity is exactly what I thought it was. 
It's come, follow Jesus and give up all the things that you like. But that's not what Jesus is doing. Jesus is saying to him, give up what has your heart that is a lesser treasure. Come have a better treasure and come gain life with me. Jesus' invitation to you is the same. It's come and have life with me. You might have misunderstood Jesus' invitation. Hey, come and follow me. Take up your cross. Deny yourself. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Jesus' invitation to follow him is an invitation into life. It's not an invitation into give up everything that you love. It's an invitation to come and love something that's better. But we often misunderstand. We often get it wrong. We think, no, 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 no. But, but all this is better, right? All this is better. How can Jesus be better than that? Here's the one proof that you need to know that Jesus is consistently and will always eternally be better than anything that you might have your heart set on. Because he is the one that lived perfectly in your place where you should have lived perfectly. And he is the one that died on the cross that you ought to have died on because you're the one who sinned. He is not. And he is the one who was buried in a tomb that you ought to have been buried in for your death, for your sin. And he is the one that rose from the dead as the victorious king. And so he is the one proving to you that he has loved you in the greatest way. He is the one proving to you that he is the way, the truth, and the life, that no one comes to the Father except through him. He is the one that has offered the way to eternal life and life to the full forever. So if you have ever doubted whether or not Jesus has your best in mind, the cross and the resurrection are the proof forever that Jesus his way is always better. So you can willingly hear the, the commands, go sell all that you have and give to the poor, come and follow me. And you think that's not even comparable. I'll give up everything I have three times to follow you, Jesus, because what I gain in following you is so much better than what I would gain with my stuff. But it will take you surrendering to God. It will take you, if we could just use the picture, holding your hands up and saying, you, you're, you're in charge. You run the show. Your way, not mine. That's the only way in the kingdom. There is no other way. Any other way will just end with it costing you more than you want to pay and your destruction at the end of it. Entering the kingdom comes only through surrender to God, through belief in Jesus and his work on the cross and his resurrection from the dead. There is no other way. There is no other way. 